0: Well, hello and welcome to My Business Playbook. It is so good to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are, whatever you're doing. You're in for a real treat because today we are joined by Tim Shura and I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. But before I do, I wanted to let you know, in case you missed it, we launched a group coaching program called The Next Level Club. It is for creative service providers who want to take their business to the next level. We're going to help you to attract more of your dream clients, earn more each month, stop trading your time for money, and finally experience freedom in your business. If you're interested, jump on over to Instagram, send me a DM with the words next level, and I'll send you all of the details. Okay, now let me introduce you to the wonderful Tim Shura. Tim is the author of The Secret Society of Success, the book that's gonna show you how to stop chasing the spotlight and learn to enjoy your work and life again. He's on a mission to redefine success. Now, Tim knows what it takes to build a winning team. He spent almost a decade of his career launching two brands, StoryBrand and Business Made Simple. He was the COO, one of the first employees Alongside New York Times bestselling author Donald Miller. Now, if you have been around here for a while, you know how much we love story brand around here. You know that I actually recommend building a story brand to every single person who starts a business because it is a game changer. Tim was on the cutting room floor of launching that business. And before that, Tim worked at Tom's as well as Apple. He is also the host of Build a Winning Team podcast, where he offers listeners actionable advice as he interviews some of the top leaders in business. If you've ever found yourself thinking kind of, why am I doing this in my business? What does success really look like for me? If you're wanting to redefine your success, then you're going to love this conversation that I have with Tim today. Let's dive in to my chat with the wonderful Tim Shurer. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. I am so looking forward to this conversation. I love that we've just connected on the internet and... <laughs> I don't know. I love it. I love it. Um, that the best? It is. Sometimes I'm like, man, I love the internet. Other times I think the internet sucks, But but this is a really good I love the internet moment because I'm so happy to be chatting with you. I have... My husband and I, and I know anyone listening to our podcast probably knows this story, but my husband and I, we got married in 2019 and on our honeymoon, I was reading a novel um, because I was like, well, we're relaxing kind of thing. He's reading um, Building a Story Brand by Donald (laughs) Miller. He's reading it. And Tim, on the final day of our honeymoon, we were sitting down having breakfast, like last day of our honeymoon, about to go back to real life. And he was like, Laura, you need to create a lead magnet for the business and we need to do it now. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) no, don't make me do it. Like, just let me relax. And so sure enough, we sat at the cafe and we mapped out like a whole, you know, um, lead generating plan. And ever since then, we were like totally... The two of us, anything that Storybrand put out, anything that you put out when business made simple, I like we were just like totally there. Love everything yeah. that um, you and the team and and Don have created, and I just wanted to share that with you so you know um, <laughs> that either we have no boundaries or um, we're just like really into what you guys have have created. So I really want to talk with you today about. And, you know, to give context, you have been kind of on the the ground floor of of starting StoryBrand with Don Miller and you have this incredible gift, the way in which you work, and you've been able to distill it into this kind of, I guess, would you call it like the secret society of success? Is it kind of like a formula that you yourself have created? Like, ha- how is that kind of... Come about for you?
1: Yeah. So, so much of the work that I did with StoryBrand was on, really on the team side. And what I've learned is that in running a business, there's nothing more important than the team. Mm. To be successful in business, it comes down to the people that you surround yourself with that are doing the work. And you need a great product you need things that customers want to buy and i feel like the way that you get there is by pulling the greatest talent round the table as possible to create that thing together yeah and then after that product is created then you have to market that product and sell that product and set things up in a way that creates a really great customer experience and you know on and on and on and on but I think really at the core of it, it's all about the team. So now I've, I was in this place where just transitioned out of StoryBrand after working with Don for almost a decade. I was like four months short of 10 years. <laughs> I was like, surely we can just get to that 10-year mark. But I released a book um, last month, and I just really needed to transition when I did to give everything to launching this book well. But when I sat down to write this book, it really wasn't intended to be a book that would create a new business opportunity for me. I was just writing the book really as a goal. And I thought it'd be fun to write a book. And so the more I worked on it, you know, early on in that process, when you say, hey, I want to write a book, the next question is, what's the book going to be about? And (laughs) so what I felt I was A lot of a thing that I had my antenna up and, and continued to just stumble across was people having conversations about success and the way that they talked about success. It's almost like they defined it as money, fame, power, you know, getting into the spotlight, climbing the ladder. These are the ways that we view success. And it's almost as though this is the only way you can be successful is to have these things. But when I really step back and look at my life, I've just realized that I found a whole lot of contentment and fulfillment in my life and in work when I got further and further away from the spotlight. Mm. And so I just started to think, what if there's another way? Like, What if success isn't only money, fame, power, these things? So if it's not that, what is it? And so, the Secret Society of Success is this group of people that have just shown me this new way to live and new way to define success. And so, these were the stories that really captured my attention. And, and, and if there's a common denominator for what it looks like to live in the Secret Society, it's this idea of helping others win. Yeah. And so, as much as anything, this is my attempt at saying, what if this is what success is? What if this is how we show up a- as individuals, but also as a team? I mean, imagine the culture that you could create if it was full of people who operated in the way of the secret society. And so really the secret society of success is the way that I is like a foundation for how we should show up.
0: That's amazing. And and even before we hit record, I was talking to you about how it's the way in which you have, I guess, spotlighted these different um, stories of, of real people who've done this really well. It feels very contrary to, to the way in which we're kind of told we need to show up. We're told we need to like market ourselves and grow our business and and it's more, more, more. It's like this, almost this hustle, and this—I don't know if it's necessarily egotistical, but there's an element of it being quite individualistic, and it's about me, and it's about um, how I can appear, how I can win, how I can, you know, achieve this success that I'm, you know, pursuing. And I love that you have actually not just articulated, hey, like there's probably a better way to do this, but actually that there are successful people who we may never have heard of who are weren't in the spotlight and that there is a way to do that and, and kind of, I don't know, I guess run a business or, you know, because our audience are all business owners, but run a business in a way that is successful, but not dependent on you being in the spotlight i guess that's kind of the yeah and
1: so you know one of the favorite memories that i have of my time working with don and story brand was i think it was 2015 don released this book called scary close yeah and about 10 days after you release a new book is when you find out if it hits these bestseller lists And so Don was in the office the day that the telephone call came in from the publisher. And, you know, he gets off the phone, raises his hands in the air. He says, we hit number five on the New York times, which in the United States is like, that's the standard. It's an incredible accomplishment. Any author would dream of being a New York times bestselling author. So we had done it. I mean, that, that was huge. Yeah. And so, High five, we hug, everyone's really excited. And then something really beautiful happened. We all walked back to our desks and went back to work. (laughs) And I think that some people would hear me say that and then follow up by saying, y'all are just dysfunctional. You have no idea how to celebrate like a big win. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as here was a group of people who were content doing the work. Yeah. And maybe the accolade comes and that feels great when it happens, but that wasn't the motivation. I was going to show up the exact same way the next day, whether or not we hit a bestseller list. Mm. And so, you know, for me, it was a pick of a new way to define success. What if success isn't necessarily getting credit and recognition and attention for the work that we do. But what if instead success is in the process, not Mm -hmm. the result? And I think as business leaders, it's so easy to get caught up in the results, revenue, sales, number of employees. I mean, as you're trying to build a business, these are the markers of success. But- I think that there are some other ways to look at it. And what if you started to obsess more about your journey and, and the process of going about the work that you do? Are you content doing the work whether or not you get the result in the end that maybe you had set out for? Because wouldn't it be a bummer if you worked as hard as you possibly could, you left it all out there, Maybe you missed your revenue target. Did you have a bad year? Yeah. It just depends on how you define success, right? So I think that's what I'm trying to say in a lot of this. Each of the chapters in the book, I kind of give a new paradigm shift, a new way to think about success. But one of these things that I'm trying to just bring into the conversation is, what if success isn't only about revenue and growth, but how can it be defined by some other things? And the process, success in the process is yeah. one of those ways.
0: What I love as well, Tim, is that you have a lot of bev- believability in this area, right? Because you were the COO of StoryBrand. So you had to be across, well, are we hitting our targets? So we, are we actually hitting our goals? You had to be across those things. And I think yeah. it, the fact that you're going, yeah, these things are important, but they cannot be the whole thing. I think it just adds yeah. this extra layer of, oh, okay, I, I don't know, like legitimacy to what you're saying about the secret society of success because you've actually, you're not a random person going, I think you can be successful, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you've actually done it and and you've you've kind of worked this thing out in the process. And I think- it makes what you're saying make way more sense to me.
1: There's so one of my favorite things is Don wrote the forward for my book and I just pulled this up as we're talking about cuz I just want to read a little bit of it, of what he wrote in that forward. So it, I'll, I'll read this and then we can talk a little bit about it. So it says What does it really mean to win? For Tim, it wasn't only about bottom line. It was also about people knowing the role they played on the team and striving for excellence together. It was about people feeling appreciated and valued and recognized for what they contribute. Tim believed the financial part of the business would take care of itself as long as you nurtured a winning team. Tim and I certainly reviewed the numbers and had measurable goals, goals that we hit. But what I noticed about Tim was that when a decision had to be made between hitting our goals and caring for our team, the team always came first. That makes sense. If you burn out your team to reach a goal, that will be the last goal that team reaches. Mm. And when I read that and and got to hear Don's take on how it is that I showed up, he is absolutely right. I was as interested in people feeling seen and appreciated and valued, feeling this like unity around the thing that we are going to try to chase down together. I was more interested in that with full belief that the results would take care of themselves. And I guess that's really just another way of saying, focus on the process, do the work, be content doing the work. And I just feel like the results will take care of themselves.
0: That is such a mindset shift, isn't it? To think people and team first, results second and results follow the health of the team. And I I do see that, you know, even we are in like this rapid growth phase and I notice in myself and in our team, I'm like, oh man, like we can do a lot of really great stuff and we can hit some incredible targets like we've really been growing but it does make me think oh like we really need to have processes in place and ways in which we can make sure that our team are feeling really good that they feel connected to what we're doing and that they're they're loving what we're doing Oh yeah. and and because that kind of falls to the wayside when you're busy and you're like we've got to do the stuff we got to like we're We've got momentum. We've got to roll with it and, and the culture of we've just got to do, do, do. And I think that's such a good reminder to actually go eat like more so in those times. We need the team to be in a, a state of health.
1: Yeah. And there's somebody who's been hugely influential for me. Uh, it's like a new friend over the last six months. And it's a guy named David Novak. And I'm going to say some brand names, which you can just nod your head and say, yeah, we get all these (laughs) brand names or maybe they mean nothing to you. And that's either way we're fine. But he um, was the the co-founder and former CEO of Yum Brands, which is the parent corporation for Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. (laughs) So David, in his tenure as CEO, he grew the business from $4 billion to $32 billion. He was running a company that had a million and a half employees, right? oh 1.5 million employees. <laughs> so how does a guy like David grow a business from $4 billion to $32 billion? And the way they did it is they created a culture of recognition where everyone counted. And so when David was starting Yum, they went on to uh, they went around to all sorts of different brands like Walmart's another massive, you know, company yeah. here in the United States. And you know, he looked at Walmart and some of these other massively successful companies here and they tried to look for what were the things that each of these companies did. And he said, "Tim, the number one thing that all companies did and what they had in common was They created a culture where every person counted. And so what David would do is he created what he had called a a personal recognition award because he believed that if you recognize people for doing great work, doing work that drove results for the business, he just believed that he would see more of those behaviors. So he made it a point to call these things out. He'd go to one of their restaurants and, you know, would talk about one of their core values and, you know, recognize someone for, you know, being exceptional in that core value. And then he'd say, hey, I want to take a picture with you. I'll send you a copy of this picture. Uh, and, And then I'm going to actually take a copy myself. And I'm going to put it on the wall in my office because I want to show people that you're the kind of person that's making stuff happen around here. And so Dave ended up filling his walls over the years with people that he had recognized in his company. They ran out of space on the walls and they started to put them on the ceiling. Wow. So now he's like, You he got pictures just up on the ceiling of people who are making things happen, like driving results in the business, everyone counting. And so a lot of people see something like recognition and valuing every person's, rec- uh, every person's contribution A lot of people would look at that business leaders especially busy business leaders especially yeah as kind of the soft fluffy stuff like "Eh, if i can get to it great but most leaders are not recognizing their teams but david said it's the soft stuff that drives the hard results so his philosophy is you can't not recognize your team i mean this is like the greatest thing that you can do so how did they do it? How did they grow a business from $4 billion to $32 billion? By creating a culture of recognition. And in fact, I have a podcast called Build a Winning Team. Yeah. And my first podcast episode ever was with David. And in it, we talk about really the process to create a culture of recognition. Yeah. And you know he's remarkable. So I, I've learned a lot from him. So I guess all of that to say, what if success... Looks like recognizing others and valuing yes. every person's contribution.
0: Yes, and that actually leads me into there there are a couple of key things that you said in your book, and you firstly, I want to talk about the spotlight mindset and then I want to kind of talk about um, the assist because you talk a lot about that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really want to unpack the spotlight mindset, the the thing that you speak about and and how we actually Firstly, identify it in ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you ever? Do you actually just? You want to explain what the spotlight mindset is?
1: Yeah. So, so I just define the spotlight mindset simply as this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. And it's important for me to kind of talk about the symptoms. Like, how does this show up in our lives? Because if we don't know what we're up against, we don't know how to combat it, or, or we don't know even what to do. We don't even know we're in it, right? Yeah. But I think more of us are dealing with the spotlight mindset on a more regular basis than we even realize. So here's a few of the symptoms. I'll read a couple of them. Um, Striving is one. Do you struggle to find contentment in your life? Does it leave you on a restless pursuit for more? Comparison is another one. Do you wish you were someone else or wonder how your success stacks up against others? Are you jealous in a way that gets in your way? So I know we're talking with a bunch of business leaders. Are you looking at your peers who own and run other companies and just define your success based on how it is that you compare to them? Right? Like, is is are, are you content and happy if your revenue is higher than theirs or if you have more employees in there? Do you find yourself bragging? <laughs> When you say we're hiring another four, we're rapidly growing. You know, it's like we say all this stuff, but really, what is that all about? I think at the root of it is we want to feel seen and heard, and and there's a human part of this. Like we want to know that we matter, right? So it's not all bad, but the problem is when the spotlight mindset kind of takes us down this unhealthy road right yeah like to want to have a successful business because it allows you to impact more people and you know whatever that all is fantastic i'm not saying don't go run the business but what i'm saying is it gets unhealthy it it starts to slip to the spotlight mindset when it's almost like our intention in wanting to do these things is how much
0: attention
1: Mm. and and credit we get in response right yeah it becomes more about us than about other people yeah. So, striving, comparison, um, you know, this whole idea of like needing and seeking validation, um, all of like, th- those are a few of the examples of the spotlight yeah. mindset. And so, then you have the other side of the spectrum, which is what I call living in the way of the secret society. And, you know, like I'd said, if there is a foundation, it's this idea of like helping others win, right? Like thinking of others first is what I would say is the other side of the spectrum from, you know, the the spotlight mindset. And so the reality is we are human beings. And there is never going to be a day that we wake up and say, I did it. I no longer deal with needing attention and recognition. <laughs> My intentions are pure. Like there's never going to be a day that that's how we show up. The reality is We have to learn to live in the tension between those two things. And so today you are probably going to be up against a decision or in a situation where you're going to choose, do I make this about me? Is this about striving and comparison? Or is this an opportunity for me to take a couple steps in the other direction, which is maybe thinking of someone else? And their needs above my own, you know, mm-hmm. serving the customer more so than trying to, you know, demand a sale because you need the revenue. It's like, what yeah. if I just served the customer and expected that the, the, res- the results would take care of themselves, right? So we, we just, we got to learn to live in that tension. But if we're not aware of the spotlight mindset, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition, I really do think that it can trip us up if we're
0: not careful. And and do you think, Tim, like how much of this is just our human nature or how much is kind of exacerbated by social media and, you know, Instagram giving us, you got this many likes on this post, you you have this many followers, like those types of things. Do you think that it's just our human nature and it's just how we are or do you think that there are some kind of things – socially that have made this worse? I think
1: it's getting harder and harder, but I think that this is a thing that people have been dealing with for all of humanity, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I come from a fake background and context, and the story in the Bible where it's talking about Jesus' disciples, and it's like they were arguing who was going to be greatest among them.
0: Yeah. It's like yeah,
1: that's a perfect example of just <laughs> someone trying to puff themselves up be more known than someone else. Like I only bring that up just to say, this has been 2000 plus years old. Like yeah. and the problem is not going away. Yeah. So I do feel like we are up against more and more challenges than ever before. Social media is so hard. So let me just tell you how this is so difficult for me personally. So in the fall, I had a marketing meeting with the publisher and they just pretty much were saying, Tim, you need to post more on social media. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tim, you need to build a platform, right? Which I get. I mean, to sell a product, I know the more eyeballs you have on it, the better the yeah. chances are that you're going to sell more products. Like, I get the marketing side of it. It all makes sense. But the challenge becomes, I know that for me personally, the more I post on social media, the more I then naturally am checking social media to see the reaction, and therefore to base my success yeah. off of those numbers and you know how well that one did compared to another, and then how well. Not only am I comparing my posts against one another, but then my posts against other people's, and you know, so it just becomes this spiral. So it's it's like this catch twenty two. And in order for me to build a brand, I need to post more. But then the more that I post, the more I check. Then I am tempting myself to be in an unhealthy headspace more often. And like round and round we go.
0: Yeah. So
1: it it's not impossible. It's just challenging. And I think we are all we are all you know up against this even yeah. more so than we ever have been. So. There is a part of this, you're right. There is a part of us that is just being human. We want to connect and belong. Um, but I also feel like there are some tactics and things that we can do to kind of keep us in a healthy headspace in the midst of all that.
0: Yeah. And and I guess one of my because you know, we work with people on their marketing and social media is a huge part of that. And so we are really encouraging people like show up, connect with people personally, show your show your personality. Uh, it's all about engaging with real people. How do you then, like, do you have any simple strategies that you do to to navigate this tension? Because, you know, like you're saying, yeah. you, you do have to post, um, but you, you want to do it in a way that still feels like, well, you're, you're talking about the secret society of success, but if you get pulled into that spotlight mindset yourself, then that kind of, that's not great. <laughs> so how do you... Yeah, yeah. What does a practice look like for you on how you actually kind of keep yourself from going into that spotlight mindset?
1: Yeah. So this is, I think, a really important thing to talk about here because I don't have any problems with people who are in the spotlight. Yeah. The spotlight, the pos- you could be the CEO of a company and still be in the secret society. So the secret society of success has little to do with your position on the org chart or the amount of visibility that you have in your role or the number of followers that you have. And it's more about your posture, like how you show up. And so how do you keep from slipping into the spotlight mindset? You know, that unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. One of the things that you do is you are, are kind of operating from what we talk about in story brand is you're not the hero, you're the guide. Your customer is the hero, you are the guide. And I think for so many people, they are trying to make it all about them. Yeah. But really, the best brands that we found that were really following story structure were were brands who were thinking of the customer and presenting in that headspace and I think that's the way that you do it okay is what you're creating on social media a picture that makes you look cool to get more likes or and I mean there's going to be some fun things that we want to share from time to time and like that may be some of those but I just hope that a little bit more often we can be posting where we're actually trying to add value to people's lives like mm. make their lives better and there's a um, a guy named Andy Stanley, and he's an amazing, you know, communicator, author, yeah. and um, I was at an event and heard him talk about, you know, how do we go about some of this in a healthy way? And you know, he said it's very common to ask these kinds of questions, like the kind of "what's in it for me," the you know, "why am I here?" These very, what he would say, self-kind of serving questions. He said if we really want to have lives, careers of purpose, we need to ask a different question. And that question is this, who am I here for? Mm. And what I love about that who am I here for question is it allows us to bring our skills and our abilities and our talents, like bring everything that we have to the table, but it puts us in this headspace and in this posture of thinking of somebody else. Yeah. So- as you're posting on social media, what if you asked, all right, this week we're gonna post some content. Who are we here for? Who is it that we are trying to serve? And so I think if we show up in that way, it keeps us from the spotlight mindset and it allows us to kind of take steps towards living in the way of the secret society.
0: Oh, yeah, that's amazing. That's such a good distinction. And I love what you said about it's not about not being in the the spotlight, it's more about how do you show up and and what are your motivations behind that and, and what are your intentions behind that. Yeah. I love that. So another thing you speak a lot about in, in the book is the assist and yeah. I'd love it if you could share a little bit more about that with us. How do we as leaders – how do we actually assist our teens and assist our clients or our customers to let them shine?
1: Yeah. So when I was working at story brand, I hired every single employee and there was a day that an application came through and on this person's resume, they had one of my favorite companies listed. And if I were to say the name of the company, even where you are, you would probably (laughs) know the brand that I'm talking about. And so I couldn't wait to find out what it was like to work for this company and in this culture. And so in the first interview I asked about it and they said something that I'll never forget. They said, you know, it's a really competitive environment, but here's the thing. Nobody there has your back. Mm. And I was just really caught off guard when they said that because I was thinking, nobody there has your back. Like, what do you mean? And they went on to say that everyone was so interested in their own climb, their own journey, yeah, that they would never do anything that looked like recognizing somebody else or giving credit to another person or contributing to a project unless it had something to do with serving their own agenda. Yeah. So that's what an unhealthy version of a company culture looks like where somebody would say nobody there has your back. But there are other teams where people are interested in collaborating and coming alongside colleagues to help them win, right? Even if it doesn't have anything to do with serving their agenda, they're just going to be a giver, right? And Adam Grant has a a great book called Give and Take. And he talks about the difference between givers and takers in the workplace. And it's, I actually love that part of the book, but, you know, essentially it's, Are you someone who is willing to give, or are you only going to be a taker? Are you only going to serve or help somebody else when you benefit from it? And so just a quick story about the assist. So, uh, I love the NBA and LeBron James and the Lakers in 2020 won the NBA finals. And you'd think somebody like LeBron would want to be the scoring leader in the NBA because Michael Jordan won that thing 10 times. And LeBron's one of the greatest basketball players in history. So you'd think somebody like him could easily go out and win that scoring leader title if he wanted to. But what I love about in 2020, what happened was LeBron didn't win the scoring leader title. He wasn't even in the top five. But LeBron led the league in assists, meaning that the way that he chose to play and ultimately how he and his team won the NBA Finals was by him setting his teammates up to score. So what if success is in the assist? And what if, rather than us only be concerned about our climb and our journey to the top, what if we looked around us and tried to help others win too? And what if we tried to assist others on their journey? And so what's so cool about this is I was telling you a little bit about David Novak from Yum Brands.
0: Yeah.
1: So David runs Yum for as long as he did, had massive success in that company. But here's a little known fact about David and that whole thing is there are now 26 CEOs of giant companies in in the United States who are leading these massive companies that all came up through the ranks working alongside David. So not only did he achieve a lot of success in his role, I think the reason why he was so successful is he was helping others achieve success as well. Valuing every person's contribution, being about the assist and giving them leadership opportunities, being concerned about their growth and their development. And now, You know, you've got the CEO of Target, the CEO of Panera Bread. I mean, it just the list goes on and on, these corporations. And so that's a life that looks like somebody who's been focused on the assist. And I just love that, you know, he's had a lot of success, but he's also assisted a lot of people. And I think that's the model that LeBron gives too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is, I love the LeBron example. It's so It's so tangible and easy to see that when you assist others to win, you're more likely to win as well. And and it's like when the team wins, we all win. And I think even for anyone listening, even if you don't have a team, if your clients win, it allows you to win. So even applying this to your clients is a really cool way to think about it too, that the the assist for the clients is – is a really powerful way to, to really help them and also to, to grow your business at the same time. And I think it's such a, such a cool way to approach. And, and the thing about our community, Tim, is that a lot of our community are so generous in, in the value that they bring and, and even in the way they show up in their marketing and their, the way they serve their clients. But I think the fact that you've articulated this into words, it kind of gives us a bit of a, oh, we're not coming last or losing out by being the the helper or the giver in our business. And I think sometimes the way that the media portrays, you know, CEOs or, or, you know, running a a crazy successful business is like, you've got to be a badass. You've got to be like, You've got to hustle. You've got to be rude and direct and you can't be kind or helpful. It's got to be about you. And I think this distinction is so helpful because I know for a lot of our listeners it's not in their nature to be the crazy like, and I'm I'm not mean to rag on Gary V, but that, that kind of intensity of like you just got to like, I don't know, be intense and full on all the time. And I think a lot of our people, it's like, uh, that's not their vibe. So I love that you've given this framework of, no, you can actually serve people and assist people and still be successful in your business and still be crazy successful.
1: The the important thing I think is this is a question I ask on my podcast at the end to every single guest. I say, success is. Yes, And I have them finish the sentence. So what if, and this is to everyone listening, what if I were to ask you that question? You know, fill in the blank for me. Success is, yeah. how would you finish that sentence? Because how you finish that sentence is so important. And the reality is so many of us have not taken the time to get clear about what success is in our lives. And so what happens is, we just by default live according to these other cultural definitions of success. The fame, money, power, getting into the spotlight, right? All of this is what we just kind of subconsciously are operating under. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said is, it's important for each of us to define success for ourselves and then keep our eyes on our own paper. Yes. Like if I try to live according to your definition of success, I'm going to lose because I'm not you. Yeah. And there are some people who have aspirations of growing massive companies and organizations, and if there are good intentions behind that, and it's to serve a crazy amount of people and do a lot of good in the world, go do it. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I don't have aspirations to go build a, you know, thousand person organization. I just, I don't. Yeah. And so it's most important for each of us to just get clear about what our definition of success is, keep our eyes on our own paper, and align yeah. life and your decisions around your definition of success.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one more question before we do our little rapid fire questions. We were speaking earlier about uh, the Enneagram because I know that that you're an Enneagram person and so am I. And we were talking about how how your Enneagram and like anyone listening who doesn't know what Enneagram is, it's, it's like a personality typing system, I guess. And so there are nine different types and I'm an Enneagram four. And so my husband is an eight and he will often laugh at me because I'll be like, no, like things have to look really good before we put it out because I want it to be creative and it needs to be beautiful and everything needs to look and feel really good because it's like my little expression in the world and he's like just get it out like who cares you know get it out no one even notices anyway don't worry about it and it's funny this tension and I think even when you know reading your book and and thinking about the spotlight mindset honestly my my gut reaction was oh my gosh I it makes me as as a four as someone who wants to be really unique and 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 be like the individualist but also as someone who's who's quite ambitious and driven in running a business there's this tension of how do i show up authentically as myself and then also how do i do what needs to be done in order to grow the business and i think there's this tension that and i'm not sure if i'm the only person who feels this but this tension of success for me as a creative person can sometimes feel a little different to success for me as a business leader. And like, we've got to do the numbers. We've got to reach our goals. We've got to keep the momentum up. So I guess my question for you is how do you negotiate that tension of, of managing what success looks like? Do you have seasons where success looks different? Do you have seasons where it, it ebbs and flows or, how, or does your personality inform that? I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Well, we all show up in a business with different experiences and perspectives. You know, diversity in the workplace is a beautiful thing because I think we're at our best when we're bringing different opinions. Yes. And so success for you is a standard of excellence that, you know, maybe you're shocked other people do not see excellence in the same way that you do, <laughs> right? And, you know, but for you, you just can't rest until you do things in this particular way. Hmm. But for somebody else, maybe success is speed and just publishing yeah. before you're even ready because they just know that it's the iteration process that's going to make it great. So yeah. they go about achieving excellence You know, by launch and then we'll see how it goes. Like, I want to get it perfect and then we'll launch, right? So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if either of those is right, but I do know that we do have to learn to live with one another and work with one another, knowing that there are just different ways that all of us are looking and defining success. Yes. So, I think the most important here, the most important thing here is to say, I don't think either of us are right. I don't know I, we, who's right. I don't know. I think you both, you could argue both sides. So here I am as an Enneagram nine being the peacemaker. And saying, There's <laughs> yeah. value in all sorts of perspectives. But I do think that um, that is true. in so many work cultures, people are just going to be looking at success a little bit differently. And this is so important to talk about because I think that, especially now in this, You know, now here we are two years into COVID and people are starting to define success and look at their life and work very differently than they did two years ago. And another way to say that is they're looking at and defining success very differently. Mm. So what, what can happen is a business and an individual, maybe for a season or a period, they define success in the same way. And so therefore they're like tracking with one another. But what can happen is over time, if you start to define success differently, you just find yourself splitting. You know, it's like you're driving a wedge. That's not always bad. Yeah. It's just the reality of how people change and evolve. And, you know, somebody has kids, and now all of a sudden, flexibility and some of these things are more important that they just weren't as important before. So, we just need to be aware of and have conversations with one another,s and have conversations with one another as we're living together and trying yeah. to navigate all of this in the workplace. And it is a changing and evolving
0: thing for sure. Yeah. Ah, oh, Tim, you're so you're full of wisdom. Um, now, did you <laughs> had you looked at? the bottom of my questions that I sent you that there were three rapid fire questions because
1: I did glance because
0: you finish your podcast by saying success is finish the sentence and we finish our podcast by saying success looks like and so we're on the same wavelength that's
1: great (laughs) I thought for a second that that was just you know that custom for me. I was I was like, Oh, this is great. I love No, this every
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's every episode. So tell me, this is our rapid fire final things, and then I wanna um find out where people can follow you, where people can um get your book. But what is the one thing small business owners need to stop doing today?
1: I'm just gonna say this because it's a pet peeve of mine, but Stop doing sloppy work, like do things (laughs) with excellence, make it the best that it possibly can be, offer more value than your customers are expecting, like blow them away. I I just, I came from an Apple environment where we said excellence is the price of admission. So if anyone is doing work that is not excellent, I just have a hard time with that. So I'm kind of like you in that excellence (laughs) in all things. Let's get it right. So yeah. stop doing sloppy work.
0: I love that. And the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew, or whether you, when you started your business or when you, I don't know, started your career as a COO.
1: I wish I would have. What can happen if you really have an intention of helping others win? If, if that would be the foundation mm.
0: yeah.
1: uh, in, in all that I did. I would have loved to start thinking and operating that way 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, I love it. And final question, finish this sentence, success looks like?
1: Success, it looks like helping others win. I know I've said that a million times, but like if there is one thing that I want people to know, how you define success in the way that the secret society does, it's that. It's help others win. And I think if if you look at success through that lens, you are going to be set up in the best possible way. And and I'll leave you with this one quote. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. I can't help myself. (laughs) So there's this quote that I love from Albert Schweitzer. And he says this, I don't know what your destiny will be. Perhaps some of you will occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists. But I know one thing. The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. So may we be people that show up, serve others, that we help others win, that we ask, Who am I here for? You know, we be all about the assist. Yes. Actually, learn to focus on the process, not the result. And I think if we do all of these things that you and I have been talking about for the last 45 minutes, I just really believe that we will be in a much, much better place. We will create cultures where we are going to find the success that we're looking for. And the way that we do that is by helping others win.
0: Amazing. Tim, you are, honestly, I feel like we could do a part two of this conversation. Where can people connect with you? Where is the best place for people to find you? And also where can people get your book? Because I know that so many people listening are going to want to get this. Yeah.
1: So if you go to secretsocietybook.com, it's kind of has all the things, all my social links are on there. A link to my podcast is on there. Links to buy the book. It's all there. Um, you guys have Amazon. on?
0: <laughs> That's like asking, do we have Google? <laughs>
1: i think it's probably available on amazon i don't know
0: i don't know where to go where do do you think we live
1: (laughs) so i read the audiobook if you have audible
0: Uh, well i I
1: hope they distribute there
0: they i've been um reading slash listening on audible and it's awesome
1: Hey, fantastic. Man, the world is beautiful. The world no is beautiful.
0: Amazon reaches hey, Australia. Like, I don't know
1: if you have KFC. I don't know if you have Taco Bell, whatever. But-
0: I think we have KFC and Taco Bell. I don't think we have Panera bread. Is that what it is?
1: Panera? And then Pizza was another one. That pizza I Hut.
0: We definitely have Pizza Hut. Unless they went bankrupt here. We don't have Starbucks, though, because Ooh. Australian coffee is is quite good, and Starbucks was, like, apparently here in Israel and I think maybe Milan were the only places that Starbucks didn't work. Wow. Yeah.
1: I just want to go on the record and say <laughs> I love David Novak, but I don't want everyone to think that, like, I am now out here saying, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell, and Pizza (laughs) are like the greatest restaurants that America has to offer.
0: No, you said that. You said that before. (laughs) I heard you say it before we started recording, actually. (laughs) 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 Oh, Tim, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: I loved it. Let's do it again. It's fun.
0: Yes, please. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. If you want to check out The Secret Society of Success, the book, then be sure to head on over to our show notes. We've linked it in there for you. We do have Amazon here in Australia and you can definitely get it on Audible as well. That's where I have been listening to it. Highly recommend. As always... Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave us a five-star review and we will see you same time, same place next week. In the meantime, my friend, go get them.